How to Be Mediocre by J.D. De Palma, primarily narrated by J.K. Larkin, with assistance by Danielle Masquode, published by Red Penguin Books. Chapter 8. Meeting Angie's Parents I never had a huge drinking problem, but whenever I have gone out drinking, I have gotten absolutely obliterated. Just completely hammered. I could go months without drinking, but when I drank, I couldn't do it in moderation. After Ange gave me her ultimatum, I started getting help. I started eating right, going to the gym, I even started running. And I'm not a runner. It hurts my man boobs too much. But after I got the ball rolling, I started getting crushed by it. I started calling myself on my own bullshit. No matter what I do, I'll always want to be creative. I'm just wired that way. There's nothing wrong with it, just have to realize when it's an appropriate time. I learned through my meetings that I create a world making myself seem grander than I am. I don't want to have to get to know the world around me that doesn't get me. I'd much rather make my own world up with content that I can grasp. But you can't be so locked up in your own crap all the time that you forget you have responsibilities. There are people who rely on you and may need your assistance without a guitar in your hands. Yeah, the guitar is cool, but tough shit. You have to go to work, help mom and dad, and walk your silly poodle. You'll always have music and art, but responsibility comes barreling through the doors on occasion, and you may have to give it up for a night to do something for someone else. Cue the next stage of my relationship. So, Ange and I have been dating for around three months. It's not a long time but it is a noticeable amount of time to not have met the other's parents. I'm too chicken shit, and she isn't sure if she's ready. Though I'd usually be upset or feel some type of shame. I'm in no shape right now to put myself on display like that for anyone. I'm doing too well, having too much fun in a new relationship, doing well in class and work, and experiencing the greatest revelation of creativity I ever had. Why screw it up? I'll tell you why. Standing still in life gets you nowhere, obviously. You have to keep going and looking for what's coming next, good or bad. To me, life is more or less like standing in the middle of the Colosseum as a gladiator, taking on whatever comes next that's going to tear your ass apart. It could be a person just trying to throw a net over you and kick your ass, that you have to put some effort into beating, uh, a target you could easily spear, or a lion that's going to fuck you up, and you have to accept it. Whatever happens, happens. Get over it and keep moving. This is a very long analogy for suck it up and meet your girlfriend's parents. She breaks the news to me quite gently, though. I am at work. Uh, tapping a kid's desk to focus when the bell rings and they all go to lunch. I am sitting in the lounge, texting when there's a phone call to go down to the office because uh, something is waiting for me. My anxiety peaks, hoping to God it's not a lion. I head down and notice it's just my girlfriend. So, it's an easy target, but one that's fine as hell. <laughs> she is... Even brought me fast food, something I haven't had in weeks. The only thing better than this is if she was going to feed it to me like Caesar with someone to fan me. Should have known it was bait to a trap. Oh my god. 
What a nice surprise. What are you doing here, babe? She hands over the bag with a big kiss. I can't visit my boyfriend after class at his big job. Of course you can. Just have to find this big job you're talking about. She punches my arm at the joke and takes me to go outside. Let's go sit. It's beautiful out. Ladies and gentlemen, it's February on Long Island. The most unnice time of the year. This time of year, it's nothing but gray skies, freezing temperature, and more than enough ice and slush to make anyone say, this sucks. Uh, We sit on this bench dedicated to who gives a fuck, and I start eating in the cold. I unwrap my chicken sandwich as a small bit of secret sauce gets on my shirt. But I've lost ten pounds, so it still looks good on my dad bodless body. Uh, So, what are we doing for Valentine's? I ask as I wipe my shirt with a spit-filled napkin. She takes my hands. I want you to meet my parents. I nearly drop the sandwich. Nearly. I'm not a fucking newbie. (laughs) I am, however, shaking my head already without words. She starts patting my hands, Douglas, stay with me here. Douglas, babe! I hate it when she full names me. Babe, I'm not sure if I can do this. She gives me the grow-up face. I swear, she's like that thing from Avatar The Last Airbender that revolves face for something or another. I don't know what to say. I'm upset, pissed off. Babe, it's been three months. They're excited to meet you and they're really nice, I promise. You said the same thing about your friends, I retort with fear. By the way, her friends were boring as sin and thought I was too sarcastic, humorless little twerps. My parents are different. They're very inclusive. And a joy to be around. I think I need to lie down. I pretend to faint, so she rips my dramatic ass back up. Don't be such a bitch. No, I know she's serious. Babe, do you love me? You know I do. Almost spitting out a pickle at her. Then we're doing this. Friday at seven. Bring wine for them. And you drink water. Got it? Got it, babe. I might as well have said... Yes, dear, and hung my head low. I felt so defeated. All right, I'm going home. I'm getting cold. Why the hell did we come out here for this talk? She whips back with a death stare. I knew you'd throw a tantrum, so I wanted no witnesses if I had to kill you. Smart woman, that Angela. Why am I throwing such a fit, you may ask? Because I'm an immature jackass. Yes, You already have that answer. But no musician has ever had a good encounter with parents of a significant other. It's just a fact of life. You see it in every sitcom. The dad's daughter brings home a boyfriend who's a leather jacket wearing, a Harley Davidson driving, hair slicked back pretty boy, who plays in a band and smokes cigarettes. What they all fail to realize is that in this day and age, musicians who grew up with the internet can barely accept criticism, let alone be badass enough to walk into their spouse's parents' home and say, Yeah, she's with me now, bro. (laughs) I couldn't even text that to someone. But that's just it. Time to grow up and start taking this relationship seriously. It took me six months to meet the ex-fiancé's parents. Although she was humiliated by me, so there is that. I talk it over with Mom, and though she understands the hesitation in taking such a leap, 
She has no understanding as to why I have such low self-esteem about it. I get done with my whole monologue. I told you about the TV version of me, and I hear from her for the first time in my life. Cut the bullshit, Doug. That'll wake you up, huh? Mom, what do you mean? She starts to pet the silly creature that now wants attention. As she scratches Bruce, I hear this little bell around his collar ring, and also the sound of my mother telling me how much she believes in me. Doug, look at who you are compared to who you were a year ago. You were fat, unemployed, pining over a failed relationship, and still thinking you were God's gift to music. I always had your back, but you were acting like a fool with no direction. It was humiliating. But you got back on your feet, got a job, and now you're healthy and full of drive and ambition. I've never been more proud of you than these past few months. You go to that dinner, and you show these people the amazing son I raised. All the while, a panting dope lays on his back for a belly rub with his tongue out full of joy. Pretty badass of her to tell me that. I didn't know I was such a burden on them, for lack of a better word. But she is right. I've been kicking ass and taking names all year, and I have something to show for my work. It's not an idea in my head or a riff that won't leave the basement. It's the true showmanship of a hard-working man. I worked my fingers to the bone to show people I'm not a loser, and I can do it. And hell, if I can do it, you can too. Although, I really wish I had Mom's pep talk recorded. I could put it on my phone and play it as I drive down her street in khakis and a button-down shirt. I got wine and flowers on the passenger seat, with sweat dripping down my face and into my eyes, causing them to burn. Is this what my fuck buddies felt like? Pay attention, Doug. I parked the car in front of their house like I've done so many times when they weren't home. I still hope they don't know I've been in their house, or their daughter. <laughs> Sweat is rolling down my arms, and I'm gripping the wheel as though I'm about to have a coronary, looking at my GPS, wondering how far Tijuana is. But I look in the rearview mirror and realize she's come out to the car to help me with carrying things in. <sighs> she opens the passenger door, sees the flowers, and says, These for me? I nod, and... She doesn't even smile. It'll look better if they're for Mom. She really is on my team. I get out, and on the walk up, I see their yellow Labrador I've brought so many bones for without their knowledge. Sitting with excitement next to a stand with no vase next to it since we knocked it over, getting so crazy making out and walking at the same time. She told me she blamed it on the wind knocking it over as she was opening the door. Is she a keeper or what? <laughs> we uh, well, walk up her stairs, since her house is one of those houses that has a scissoring staircase with an apartment in the basement. I'm greeted by her dad, who actually has a smile on his face. What the hell is this? I shake his hand, and I'm not nervous at all. I hand him the wine, and it turns out to be his favorite. What fucking planet have I crashed on? I... Uh, I pet my friend, Lucy the Yellow Lab, as I cross the threshold. I hand her mother the flowers, and she pecks me on the cheek after giving me a hug. Is this what having likable people in your life is like? 
Hell, I'll come here for breakfast, lunch, and dinner if so. All my notions about coming here tonight were wrong. I couldn't be happier about it. It made every bad experience with the exes go away because... I, I think in my heart of hearts, I have found my people. We all sit and eat for hours around their big kitchen table. When meeting potential mates' parents, it's almost like a job interview. So... Tell us, Doug. Tell us about you. Mom's pep talk got me psyched to have the confidence to answer truthfully. Instead of stretching the truth with, I'm an up-and-coming musician with an album in the works, I tell her plainly, I'm a teaching assistant at one of the local elementary schools while I'm in school for early childhood education. I have two lovely parents and a poodle named Bruce. In my spare time, I like to play music and write when I have time. Her mom seems really pleased. Oh, Angela writes her own songs, too. It's like June and Johnny Cash. Mom, stop! Ange damn near gets up and covered her mother's mouth. I looked over, saying, You never told me that. They aren't as good as yours, and I can't play any instruments. It's more poetry. Thank you, mother. She's blushing red, and I wanted to laugh, but don't want to embarrass her. Why don't you show me one of... I'm cut off again when she shouted. Show them yours. I took my phone out and show them it's all over and no pressure. Her parents actually asked for a physical copy for their car. I then ask Ange, can I see your poems now? The little cheater goes, I never agreed to it, so you lose. Jesus, she ought to be my contract manager. Dinner is over, and I stick around to help with the dishes. We all joke around, telling old family stories and embarrassing tales from when we were kids. I did it. I faced the dude with the net I thought I was facing and kicked his ass. Ange and her mom go to the next room to grab a few cleaning supplies, to which her dad grabs my collar and says, almost Batman-like, I like you. You seem like a good kid. But if you make my daughter unhappy, I'll be sure you don't live to write another song about it. They are walking down the hall, and he pushes me back up, both of us acting normal when they walk back in. <laughs> Apparently, this lion still had claws. This has been How to Be Mediocre by J.D. De Palma, primarily narrated by J.K. Larkin with assistance by Danielle Masquode, published by Red Penguin Books.